Hello, my name is Colin and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of Gaming by Design. Over the next 7 episodes we aim to dissect, discuss and pour over the video game medium from general overviews of game mechanics to tiny design nuances that turn games from the good to the sublime. By looking generally at one issue per podcast, we hope that our musings will be both informative and entertaining, and perhaps encourage you to discover and discuss the mechanics which make games work. We are by no means experts in the subject, we merely offer our own personal opinions into the ether, and do not expect our opinions to be accepted by all. And of course, it goes without saying that these opinions are our own, and are not those of any of our employers, either past, present, or future. Due to the nature of these three ramblings, it's also quite possible that weekly discussions will sway off topic or flow over and overlap with other topics. We'll try our hardest to stay on topic, however sometimes discussing freely eventually leads to an important point. Aiding me in this series will be a good friend of mine who has a near encyclopedic knowledge of gaming. Do you think that is a true description of you, Richard? Um, no, not really. <laughs> um, it's, go- it's good though, I'll go with it. Um, thank you. I'll take the compliment. With the introductions out of the way, we will launch straight into our first ever topic and the subject of today's discussion. For our first episode, we're going to be discussing morality systems in video games. In the world of video games, morality systems become very ubiquitous. Uh, They're probably right up there with cover systems and weapon upgrading as one of the kind of must-have features. But what good are they? Why are they in so many games? What are games doing well about them? What are they doing badly? The um, important thing I think to mention about morality systems is that they're kind of quite unique to gaming. As you are an active player, rather than a film where you're a passive player, you have the ability to create your own story, and morality systems allow you to do this. Yes, the, I think probably to start off already on a kind of negative fronting, probably the main issue to be confronted with morality systems is that they don't really let the player tell their own stories through games. Mostly what morality systems do, and why... I don't think they're very successful, is that what you are mostly experiencing in game morality systems is the developer basically judging you on their own moral compass and using that to tell a story. The branches in games, they tend to be minimal, you know, one or two different ways any situation can go. They tend to be broadly based on good or evil, very extreme sides of the spectrum. They tend to be less about letting a player tell their own story than periodically judging a player on their Christian values. I think a good way of describing this is a game that we both played together in offline co-op, Army of 240th Day, which is a game we both know well and still discuss to this day. So it, it plays like a normal third-person shooter, but it's a game that is unique in that its core gameplay is surrounded by co-op. I mean, it's a game that they want you to play in twos rather than a single-player game. Army of Two to 40th Day has a morality system, but interestingly, its core morality system is basically about the players they're going through the game are periodically confronted with moral conundrums, quandaries, if you will. It's, it's almost like the, the game is uh, level-based, and at the end of each level you get uh, a moral question. Because I seem yes. to remember there being about six or seven of these, and, yeah. and, and the way it works is you get the moral question, it's uh, given to you in a cutscene. Yes. And then as we played together, we were both given this single option to vote on the outcome of this of conundrum. So I don't think we got to vote, did we? It was just whoever pressed the button first. Yeah, so the intention is, but quite interestingly, I would say, that Army of Two is about making moral choices in games a conversation with the player you're with. Of course, the flip side of that is that if you're playing with a person who just wants to press the button as soon as possible and not really discuss... Yeah, I think when we played, I think we experienced both sides of that. Yeah, this, this is not a democracy that we're talking about. It's not like you both get a vote and if it's split, it goes to some kind of recount. I yes. really know how it yeah, works. It's quite unlike Dancing on Ice in that way. Yeah, you can discuss the issues or you can just hammer the X button fast enough. 
I think when you really talk about them, I think it's possibly an army of two to four if they comes alive. And the moral choice that we still talk about today, and the one that I guess got us talking the most, because I, I guess it, what's good is that we disagreed. Yes, this is important. I guess a really good morality system makes you feel moral or amoral in real life. Yeah. And so you carry mm-hmm. on discussing it. And... Uh, uh, maybe you can discuss uh, what it is that we had a, a falling uh, out over. Yeah, okay. So, Army of Two to Four Day, as we said, has moral choices, conveniently one per level. And one of them concerns a tiger. So at one point, Nathan Drake and the other guy come across uh, a tiger in a cage. And for no apparent reason, the issue comes up of what they should do with this tiger they found locked in this cage. Yeah, so I think it, it's an endangered species, is it? And yeah, it's, it's, locked like, up it's, it's the last one. I think one option is that uh, if you keep it locked up, it's almost certainly going to die. Yeah. And thus the species will become extinct. Yeah. Or on the other side, you can let it out. I don't think they talk about what would happen if you let it out, do they? No, not really. In a way, it's, it's sort of leading you. Like, why would you lock it up and let it die? I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we should focus on the you know, issues of, of the moral decision and you know the results of it. I think it's very odd as a situation to be occurring, I think. Um, there's a lot that doesn't really make sense in this situation, though. Well, the reason that I said that we should lock it up is because it's a dangerous animal, and this is the last one. So if you let it go, how is it going to procreate anyway? This is true, but I said that we should definitely let it go. You had a um, maybe a bout of guilt about killing an innocent animal. Yeah, because I think we should not kill it because there's no good reason to kill it. I, I was coming from the point of view as David Attenborough in that wildlife should be observed and not messed with. Well, I think I think shooting it would... No, we didn't shoot it. We let it go. You uh, convinced me to let it go. And I was very calm in that I didn't press yeah. the button early. I uh, could have... Because it got quite heated and I was ready to go, just kill the tiger. yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I think you got the, the casting vote on that one. I wanted to let it go because given you know what's happened in the game so far, there's quite a lot of dangerous Chinese soldiers wandering around shooting people. I figured yeah, we should get this tiger out of here. Chinese soldiers who would probably kill the tiger and use it for medicine, which is maybe beneficial to humans. Yeah, but having just completed the zoo level, you know, we noticed the sheer amount of dead animals we've been taking cover behind. Yeah, I think you take cover behind elephants. <laughs> dead elephants, dead hippos, dead elk. Really bizarre. I think when we got to that moral decision, I remember having a bit of a flashback. And I'm thinking about the poor dead elephants with the flies buzzing around it, absorbing, like, frag grenade damage. And I thought, I don't want this to happen. To okay, so, um, yes, we did let it go. And uh, what uh, what reward did you receive for letting the tiger go? Um, so, for letting it go, what occurred is that, of course, you can see a cutscene, like a series of still images, a little storyboard of the life of this tiger after we let it go. What happens is that it walks the streets of Shanghai, um, and then comes across a car, it then goes to sleep in that car. Yeah, and, and then there is a man who looks decidedly weak, yes, let's just yeah. say. A, a weak old man. He looks stressed because yep. he's escaping some atrocity because there's war in his country. Well, the, this, the, the city is on fire, so he'd probably he probably understandably stressed. He runs to his car, yeah. uh, opens it, and then uh, spots there's a tiger in there. Yeah, and the tiger eats him. The tiger does live. That's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. But you, you have cost a man's life. And through this, the developers were trying to make a point about morality and that the decisions you make can affect people's lives outside of your scope. If there was any goal to this feature, is that, yeah, I mean, there are unexpected consequences to everything in life. And I guess that's probably a positive thing to say about Army of Two, the 40th day as a morality system. It doesn't present you as, like, black and white, good or bad decisions in the same way, you know, I was complaining about earlier. In fact, if it does present you with good or bad decisions, the actual results tend to not to be, obviously, good actions result 
result in good consequences. It kind of, you know, plays with you in that sense. That is true. I mean, it was a recurring theme when we were playing the game is that every decision we made, no matter how much we talked through and thought about it, it seemed as if we had always made the wrong decision because yeah. I think all of those situations were lose-lose. Yes, if you remember the famous incidents of the child that we could have ordered to go off into gunfire for us to retrieve a gun and bring it back to us. And you remember, <laughs> we, remember did, we did order that child to run off into gunfire for us. Yeah, that is true. And, and he died. We, we got a 10-year-old kid killed because we were running low on ammo. The, the problem is, though, is that you have no emotional attachment to this character, so the moral decision is a little too easy to make. Well, yeah, Either I think, way, it doesn't I, I really think, matter. I think if I'm over to the 40th day, is kind of, it's a good starting point for a discussion on morality because on one hand, I think it does some very good things. Yeah. Good or evil aren't obvious, the consequences are not obvious. Yeah, there's, there's kind of, it's not it doesn't feel like it's preaching to Army of the 240th Day, it's just stuff happens. On the bad side, its inclusion in the game is banal to the point of being absurd. The tiger scenario in itself is utterly insane. I don't know what anyone gains or learns from it. There is such a disconnect between the characters that are in game and the moral decisions that you are faced with in that these are mercenaries, right? Yes. They, yes. These are they're people. Bad, they're bad people. The people hired to they kill. They And they kill masses of Chinese terrorists. I don't know if they're terrorists. They might I don't know what they are. They're soldiers. We, in the zoo level alone, you rising. must kill in excess of 50 of them. And then being asked to make a decision about the life of a tiger or the life of one child. I mean, I mean, the fact that it's a child, that's just blatant trying to drum up some quick emotion, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, just, it's just bizarre in that you don't really ever care in the moral decisions what really happens. And the outcomes are so absurd that it doesn't really ever resonate. Well, I think Army of Two might be the poster boy for the problem I would say is occurring with games a lot of the time is that the, the totally unnecessary morality system, the decisions, the moral situations and the decisions and the consequences consequences serve to add so little to the game that if they were not there I don't know if it would make any difference to anything. This is where I'm going to make a bit of a cynical point in that oh I dear. think that morality systems like that only serve to add some pseudo replay value. Um, yes. Especially if the decisions are tied to trophies or achievements. I think yeah, I was browsing through my infamous trophy set last night. Every decision that happens in the game bears the trophy for I did the good version of that, I did the bad version. Did you help the crowd did you start a riot and so basically in order to 100 percent or platinum infamous you have to play the entire game twice so if you are a trophy hunter it, it's this kind of annoying replay value that uh, is added just around these morality systems and i guess because the some game designers might add morality systems just to add this replay value i guess yeah. morality systems sort of the function of them is kind of overlooked and whether they're relevant to the game. I mean, I guess it's very much a case of what is the function of a morality system. The name would imply that a morality system is there to make you reflect on yourself, your characters, the story of the world, your you know, your moral compass in life. But I guess that's not so much the case. I don't think that Infamous, for a second, wants you to reflect on anything, I think. But Infamous is interesting in that it is a game in which morality is very much at its core. Yeah, morality is at its core, but at the same time, morality isn't the correct word for it. They're kind of just a series of throwaway, funny decisions. I guess we should do a, a little review for the people who might not have played it, but Infamous is uh, like an open-world sandbox in which there's the, the morality system is at its heart. We say that because uh, each decision you make either adds to your good tally or your bad tally, and then you can either be labeled a thug or, a or uh, I don't know what the good side is. I think mean, you can be a hero at the maximum side or be infamous. Um, weirdly, the good version is not quite famous. So uh, I think you do in that game from like um, saving civilians to killing bad guys. It all adds to this in-game tally. Yeah, and I, I think that I 
don't mind uh, what Infamous does. I think the problem with morality systems is there are certain games where the ridiculous simplicity of it kind of suits it. I think Infamous is, you know, it's very comic booky. It is comic book. I mean, you're an electricity firing superhero. People tend to think of morality. Morality is um, uh, completely binary in that you each, each decision is either good or bad. There's no kind of grey areas. Well, yeah, that's. Um, I think that's the kind of the crux of the issue of what I don't like morality systems. If you Think of them as they're supposed to be about morality, yeah, is that they very rarely are honestly dealing with the complexity of real-life situations. The very, you know, the various facets and the, 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 the vagaries and complications of, of real, the real world and real society. They tend to be good things, bad things. It's true. I mean, if, if you think about things in real life in which you've been unsure of the right thing to do, a lot of the time there is no resolution. You don't know whether yeah. you've done the, the right or wrong thing. And games simplify this too much. And I guess it'd be more interesting. Well, I don't, I, I don't mind it explaining things but i think it'd be better if it was not so black and white yeah so i guess then that would, i mean that neatly would be a good time to go on to fable 2 yes a game that we both played around lunch and uh i, I guess if no one's ever played fable 2 ahead of it, it you can do a quick review uh fable 2 is a role-playing game in which you play a hero who is on a mighty quest and fable 2 is all about moral decision constantly you are being judged from the smallest actions to the biggest actions on Good, evil, purity, impurity. It's basically the whole game is a series of good and bad choices which cause you and the world around you to change based on those decisions. My recollection is, yeah, it's, it's a lot more granular than, than Infamous. It's not just good and bad. It's, it, have, it has a lot more character traits. Yes, yeah, it does. I and mean, good and evil are the primary axis, but yeah, there's, um, there's other stuff going on. I think purity is somehow involved. And Thomas Fable 2's morale system is, is terrible. And um, oh, this is very sim- okay. It's very simplistic, but um, yeah, you, you might have to explain that one. Okay, the biggest criminal when it comes to the problem, but for me, morale systems are basically the developer judging you. I feel that Fable Two and there's other games like it are less about a world changing to my moral compass than the face of Peter Molyneux looming in front of me, constantly judging me. And okay, like so, the, it's the most the obvious silly example, but the fact is, if you eat a pie. It is considered to be an impure action. If you eat a piece of celery, it is considered to be a pure action. In my mind, that is nothing more than a developer who may or may not either be vegetarian or may have some particular agenda telling you, you are choosing to do a totally regular everyday activity that I'm deciding is evil. What action does eating food have apart from affecting morally? It makes you fat or thin. Does that have any gameplay consequences? I don't know. I was never fat. I was much like I'm in real life. I was very lean. It seems like an odd thing to add just to affect morality. I mean, how does the morality affect uh, the game? So whether you are um, eat a lot of pies or eat a lot of celery, how does that affect the game? Well, um, whether or not you are good or evil basically affects your appearance. So you become either very angelic, your arm becomes very bright, you become very Jesus. Or you become, if you become evil, then you become very bad looking. The effects of the moral decisions in terms of the plot are not that big. I mean, it tends to be something where you can choose to be good or bad, but in the end, everything kind of ends up the same basic point, I think. The morality system is more complex than those that we've discussed in Army of Two and Infamous. However, it's also the least relevant of the three that we've talked about. Uh, Least relevant in what sense? I guess in the sense that it doesn't affect gameplay. Do you think it's the least relevant of the three? I do think that a lot of the what Fable does, it's superficial changes yeah, to yourself, to the look of your armour, your dog, stuff like that. It does the effects of the plot. I think mean, it's the problem that most games have, and I guess another reason why morale systems tend to be so good or evil, so like binary, is because basically the length of time required to create 
the assets for a game with this many permutations is so difficult. But basically, whatever you choose in Fable, it essentially has to end up at the same point because every player needs to go to the same maps and see the same characters and the same dialogue, otherwise it wasn't worth the time developing it. Yes, you're right. In, in which case, then why do they have the morality system so prominent in the game? Honestly, I can tell you. I mean, in Fable, it's just supposedly it's a big thing. It's something that Molyneux and Lionhead and even, I think, even before in Bullfrog, it's a thing they've genuinely kind of seem obsessed with. It's, is... it's like a it's like a unique selling point in yeah. that they they always talk about morality, but the way I see it is it, it doesn't actually affect the game. And they do have quite uh, spoilerific uh, moral choices at the end of the game so that are completely unrelated to the morality system that's prevalent throughout the rest of the game. Yes, yes. So it, it confuses me as to why they put morality in the game in, in the way that they have because I seem to remember playing Fable 2 is that there were tasks where you had to go to people in villages and uh, there's no other way of saying this but you have to uh, break wind. Yes, yes, you do have to uh, break wind. That's quite a large feature of the game. I remember standing in front of a character in a video game breaking wind about five times in a row. Yeah. I think to make them find me funny. I mean, that's, that's very realistic. And then it's just this odd disconnect of if, if I did this in the real world, ran in front of a person and farted, they would not find me funny. They put this morality system in and then it's almost like someone's been given the task of, hey, maybe we should add this morality system into some of the tasks that the character has to do. And then there's the most simplistic things. I mean, it's, it's overly simplistic. It doesn't aid in your belief of your character. No, no. It almost makes your character seem uh, like a puppet, just doing these bizarre things. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think another problem with that, with all these kind of constant little micro-judgments all the time, these kind of little changes to morality system, is that Fable and other games tend to, or they can misinterpret what you're trying to do. I find you can unintentionally end up becoming good or evil in Fable because you were just doing stuff. And then it turns out that you're evil because I ate too many pies, I accidentally pushed past too many people. That, that is a problem, in that sometimes you do something intentionally and then are massively reprimanded for it. And a lot of times, you're not given the forewarning of what is good and bad. So like you say with the pie, is that it's perfectly acceptable for a player to find the pie, want to eat the pie. And I, know, I don't know why they should have any remorse from eating the pie after the fact. They didn't know that it's the first time, certainly, that they eat the pie. They don't know it's going to be bad for them. And it's especially bad when you have um, when you're in the middle of combat and you have uh, lots of items that give you health back all in your inventory and you just tap one button to eat all of them like quickly when you're losing health. You can accidentally have your purity plummet in the course of one fight because you've been hammering left analog stick and you've eaten like 20 pies maybe a few bits of celery and some cheese and some crisps or whatever and you'll find that yeah you've actually crafted the moral compass of your character to a degree because you ate some pies in a fight. The misinterpretation of your actions is can be quite a big problem. Um, Bioshock, which presumably you've heard of. I, I think you know, if everyone out there is probably aware of Bioshock. Um, if not, it is a first-person shooter, which is sort of unsettling a bit, but it's got a unique art style. It is renowned for having a compelling storyline. Yeah, it does have a, a compelling storyline within the world of video games. And Bioshock has a problem that you have to rescue these kids, or you can not rescue these kids. Uh, you can you can harvest children or you can save children, and uh, I'm not going to explain any of that. But what Bioshock's problem can be is that it's deciding whether or not you're good or evil. You get the good or evil ending based on essentially whether you rescued more than two little sisters or how many. You basically, it's a very simple kind of you know equation. It's, it's very very harsh as well. Because yeah. I, 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 and this might be the point that you're making. I think if you harvest uh, or kill one of them, you, you don't get a good ending. Uh, yeah, but that's a, a kind of a case where I don't think you could get this in real life. 
where the game is judging you, but is misinterpreting what you are trying to do, therefore saying that you are good or evil, and presenting you with an ending or you know some sort of plot point that says you are good or bad, and that's annoying. And I, I, and it's not good, and it does not teaching you anything about yourself. It's and the problem is that it always takes away what is essentially the, the greatest joy of games, which is experimentation. Yeah. And the thing is that if you're offered two options and you're allowed to pick both of them at any point in the game, you're going to try both. If games carry on down this route of punishing you for making decisions, then it does take away the joy of ex- exploration. There are going to be options that you're not going to want to do, and, and that, that's that's a shame. Yes, yes. Okay, change tack slightly. And it feels like we're kind of just laying into morality systems with little real joy. And I'm going to continue in that vein with, I guess, another of the big points about morality systems in games is morality systems... Kind of, they transparently show you numbers. They tell you you have been good by five. You have been evil by six. Fable does it. All Bioware games do it. I mean, so it's one of my kind of big bugbears and morality systems. If I remember my philosophy course, this is a, a system that I think Aristotle came up with. In that he said uh, on the philosophy of the either the body or the soul, I forget. In that he said that each man can be defined on a sliding scale of things like uh, happiness and anger, and uh, I think it was love and hate and things like this. And this is a system that is when was Aristotle? Maybe a couple thousand years BC. And it's almost like this primitive system is still being used in video games and it's been used for 20 years yes yes and i i think maybe it was a limitation back in the day of either imagination or programming or or hardware but it, it almost seems like the it hasn't really been pushed forward the the morality systems have an obsession with numbers yeah i think i mean i don't know if by where you know were directly referencing aristotle when they made mass effect but yeah it's more influenced by 80 sci-fi i'd say it's it, 80 sci-fi have an obsession with numbers uh i would say so and shoulder pads I think there's nothing that's in- inherently wrong with the kind of way they do moral decisions, but you get it in uh, Mass Effect, Jade Empire, Baldur's Gate, though it's slightly more complicated, where you will do something, yeah, and you'll say, this is exactly four good, and this is exactly six evil. If you're trying to engage someone in a world, you're trying to you know, blur the boundaries between the real and the unreal, you want the player to be entirely absorbed in your fiction. I think that telling them that when you walk up to a uh, person in the street and they say to you, hello, total stranger, should I abort my child? And you can choose to go, yes, no. And then you go, yes, that's, that's ten good. Is it not just the case that numbers are an easy way to convey things? Uh, yeah, they are an easy uh, way to, to convey yeah, the system. It is an easy, an easy way to convey things. And I think it's an easy way to convey things that can work against the, you know, the sense of realism. It's true, because what you'll notice in recent game development is that the UI is getting more and more hidden, and they're trying to think of clever ways to essentially hide the numbers. And I know that health doesn't exist anymore. I mean, yeah. health as in no one picks up health packs or has health of no. 100, and it goes down to 96 after a hit. No, of course. They've replaced health packs with the entirely more realistic system where you stand still and your health comes back. It's, it's not perfect. But yes. I don't think I was uh, walking over a health pack suddenly recovering. You. This is true. This is true. Yeah. I mean, I think, was it Far Cry 2 that kind of went more realistic? Is that uh, Far Cry 2 has the... But this somehow is not really any more realistic. It's just more grisly. But if you get shot too much, you, you, your, your regeneration power runs out. And you've instead got to perform like emergency medical procedures, like pulling a bullet out of your arm or patting yourself down when you're on fire. <laughs> Completely irrelevant to what I'm saying. But the thing is, health has been hidden. The numbers have been hidden. Does this mean that morality systems are going to go the same way? Are, are the numbers going to be hidden? It, it does happen in games. Um, there are there are any examples which I'll get to later, I think, when I get around to the games I think that do it right, where you do hide the numbers. But largely they don't. And this is kind of like a design issue, a communication issue. I think there was a game I was playing recently, Alpha Protocol, that's... Um, 
It's Obsidian's kind of spy, modern-day spy RPG. And they're incredibly blatant, very transparent about the way that you, what you say affects people. So a woman sends you an email in our protocol. She, mm-hmm. She's uh, mildly flirtatious. Um, okay. It's very sexy. Uh, and Is that plus five on the sexiness? Uh, no, there's no sexiness scale. For, um, they missed a trick. But on, on your little conversation wheel, you can choose how to reply to this email. And I can be, prof- I, I chose like, professional. I go, stop sending me flirtatious emails, get back to work. And then immediately, like, in the bottom left of the screen, it goes, Mina Tang, reputation, minus four. That was an exactly minus four level of of, uh, That's really of, of email replying power. It's really hard. And what's even more weird is you know that in the developer's office there's a big Excel spreadsheet where someone's it is. arbitrarily typed numbers. It is. And I think whenever you do something like that, you kind of, yeah, you, you start to think more about it as maths. Like you were saying earlier, when you, there's a binary between there's good or evil, you feel that inevitable gaming urge to do both of them. When, you, when things are made so gamey and so transparent, you tend to think along the lines of, that was one path, how about this other path? And then you, find, then you get the situation, you find yourself reloading save games, just so I can see what would happen if I had said to Mina Tang, that sounds pretty hot, Mina, how about you come around my office? That's uh, plus four. That's that would be plus four, and then she would say she really likes you. And amusingly, if if Mina Tang, if you are a flirtatious Mina Tang in emails, that ends up with you getting new skills. Who came up with the system in the first place, and and why did everyone think that's such a good system? I will copy it. I guess like most things, it probably has origins in like um, tabletop games, board games, like most things in games. Most things in games are just board game concepts lifted and repurposed. Baldur's Gate does it because Dungeons and Dragons does it. I suspect Dungeons and Dragons is probably origins for these things, where you are evil, good, and there's like a scale along there. But I feel feel now that uh, we have the technical ability to maybe think of something smarter, which I guess we have done. If you mentioned that uh, you know games that do it successfully and have hidden the numbers, I guess successfully, you know, it's kind of it's very up to you know it's it's up to the individual. But I think what I've been talking about over the course of this, uh, there's my own personal bugbears, and I feel that there are games, some games that address it. So yeah, this numbers problem it leads to the like, kind of the crux of this, which is. But if games present like these obvious good or bad situations, they're obvious numbers and they're kind of they're banal kind of staging that seems irrelevant to the story. You tend not to think about the moral decisions. You tend to think about them in video game terms of which is the thing that gets me the most material benefit. I think very few games, you look at the moral decisions, you then genuinely think about the moral consequences. When Mina Tang sends me a flirtatious email, she did this a lot. Well, I'm, not, I'm not bragging. I'm not, I'm not bragging because this is a secret in the video again. I think about my decisions based on A, what I think might be personally amusing at the time, and B, what might give me the most material benefit in the game. Because if Mina Tang doesn't like me, I lose certain skill bonuses. If this woman not liking me, for some reason, hinders my ability to run quickly. And I think that's a lot of things. In, in, a, in your average Bioware game, if I was confronted with a situation where I could choose to punch someone or not punch someone, I would think about it in terms of what's going to cause me... What's going to cause the, how to end up the most material benefit? What's going to end up me unlocking a new skill or a new piece of armour or some amusing sex cutscene? If you see what I mean. So I think the best games, and there are very few of these, would be games where you don't think about them in terms of the material in-game wealth. You genuinely think about them as moral conundrums. Which brings on to be probably the, the main game, which I think does this very well, is The Witcher. Which is a game that I have not played. Yeah, so this is going to be very one-sided. So what The Witcher does that makes it interesting is that it has moral choices and consequences but it does not label them. The Witcher does the exact opposite of what Fable does, which, you know, is obviously make it almost like a back-of-the-box feature. You can be good or evil. The Witcher, you just play The Witcher. And the game is constantly asking you well, what you think about a certain situation. How does it present these situations? Well, they're just conversations. Um, so 
one of the main kind of overarching plot things in The Witcher is that there is a kind of war going on between uh, the elves and the humans in this fantasy world of The Witcher. Basically, the humans are oppressing the elves, making living ghettos. You know, the metaphor is obvious what they're doing here, but the elves, on the other hand, are also fighting this with terrorism and, you know, so basically, you can choose who to side with and the plot branches. But it's simply a matter of presentation. The game never puts a thing on the screen where it says elves, humans, and maybe colours one blue and one red to make sure you know which one is the good choice, which one is the evil okay, choice. Okay, but it, it does branch. So story branching is its own reward. Yes, I, this is true. But I think it doesn't really present them as, as choices which are going to lead to any particular consequences you can anticipate they don't you know you can't really think about what the reward is it generally catches you off guard there's no reason to not just go with your heart and do what you think is best okay so when you are faced with these decisions what is the general thinking of of what what is your thought process when you're going through it i mean are you thinking as as a player or are you thinking are you thinking as as the person within the game um i think you think of yourself and i think that's that's, that's Yourself good. as the player? As, no, as me, I think, you know, will I, Richard, think of uh, this particular moral country? That's how, that, that's how it should be. I think you're, it, it, it makes you think about morally what you would actually do in this situation. More so because it's just a question, sometimes a heavily disguised question. It doesn't obviously seem to be leading to any reward that you can anticipate so how do the options present themselves i mean is it such as like um, we need to destroy this bridge for some reason destroy or not destroy simply but for the act of going back to kind of older school rpgs where rather than just this kind of where you pick broad topics you just yeah. get entire lengths of text of exactly what it is you're going to say so it's everything feels a lot more hidden you feel you feel that you just say what you want to say and you find you just naturally go down these roads because nothing is billed to you as big moral decision time. Okay. And I think where The Witcher really shines is, is a particular sequence, which I won't spoil because that would ruin the entire game if I went into detail, where the end of the game presents you with a plot twist, and that plot twist is based entirely on moral questions you have been asked throughout the game, and the game never draws attention to them. You don't, in fact, realise that you're being asked you think so a character's walk up to you and you'll be going hey something something elves something something fancy in peril by the way what do you think of this and it's kind of like one conversation in the middle of the game you don't really think about it and just go uh, whatever i'll just you know that's what i think a character then at the, at the point where the plot is revealed he says this is the reason i'm doing what i'm doing and in i think another kind of enormous moment of clarity and excitement you realize that he's the reason he's justifying what he is doing because of what you said, and no matter whether you choose to be, say, lovely things or bad things, this same thing occurs. And you realise that because this game didn't give you the opportunity to treat them as big moral decisions, it didn't, it didn't present them as like big, good, evil choices of points assigned, it tricked you into thinking naturally, basically. Okay, yeah. And it tricked you into thinking just as a person. And then when The Witcher does its big reveal, you realise that everything that has happened, it has used your, me, personally, Colin or Richard, your moral compass to justify what has happened in the game. By not making moral decisions stand out, and, and I guess just making them seem so natural and, I guess, irrelevant? Almost irrelevant, the, yeah. The power is given to the morality system in that you kind of, you, you make the decision uh, you make the decision morally rather than as yeah, a gamer. because a game is a video game, and it's, you know, it's not something you can't do anything about. As a game, you treat everything that is presented to you as a challenge, as a test, you know, as maybe as like a reason to try and work out what's the best way through this. I think what The Witcher does well, I think what more games should do, in my opinion, is 
almost try to trick the player yeah, into leading with their heart and not thinking about it as the big moral decision system. Well, Richard, it is very good segue into what I think is the best game with the oh. morality system. I think you've missed a trick here because I'm going to say uh, Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain? the best morality-based game. Okay, here we go. Because the thing is, it doesn't have a morality system in the traditional sense that we've been talking about. It doesn't have this sliding scale of pluses, minuses, or, or numbers. But it does have moral decisions that force you to really think about your characters and what is best for them, what is best for you, and what is best for the story. I, d- I, I, I don't think... I think The Witcher is superior to Heavy Rain, mostly for reasons of I think The Witcher is written well and Heavy Rain is not, but we won't really go into that. Um, I agree no. that Heavy Rain, because it's entirely... It's devoid of, you know, the, the y- y- basic mechanics of games. You haven't got life or mana or weapons or arm. You haven't got stats which you're always thinking about improving or doing better. All you've got in Heavy Rain is the story. So I agree that... Heavy Rain, you think about the moral decisions seriously in terms of the story because that's all you've got to base things on, is the story. Yeah, and I, I guess the the pivotal scene and uh, the thing that made me think about it, and this is not too spoilerific, is there is a scene in which you are tasked with performing some kind of physical injury upon yourself. Yes. And there are a variety of ways to do it, and you don't have to do it at all. And I guess this is the scene that when you speak to most people, they kind of... I guess remember the most and yeah, they talk yeah. they really talk about the method of which they caused said personal injury to themselves indeed uh, and I, I think it's, it's great because I don't know anyone who didn't cause the injury to themselves do you know anyone who did that I don't know anyone that wouldn't given the situation just for the sheer novelty value want to perform this particular act of personal I guess this kind of undermines my argument in that everyone sort of wants to experiment and then maybe the morality system is flawed but I think it is a very moral game in the sense that the decisions I made in the game resonated with me a lot in the real world and that I kind of really felt uh, compassion for the characters and yeah. what I'd essentially made them do yeah and I think the reason Heavy Rain does that so well is because, as I said, it is just about the story. So you tend not to think about people as walking quests or indeed giant walking bags of money and armor. Mm -hmm. I think when a person gives you a quest, you tend to think about them in terms of this is an NPC in a game. He has certain rewards like armor and things that are attached to him. So I should do what benefits me the most. In Heavy Rain, you you have people and you think about people as people, which is lovely. So I agree. With, I agree. With Heavy Rain is a is a very good choice. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I, I have nothing particularly bad to say against Heavy Rain. I guess maybe you're just casting it offhand because you don't see it as a true morality based system. Uh, it's not. I will. But maybe that's the way. Like I said with health bars earlier, maybe this is where morality is going. In that, rather than being these branching storylines with numbers attached. This is the completely submerged into the actual gameplay yeah. morality system. Yeah, I mean, I think what Heavy Rain does is very, is, is very similar to what games like The Witcher do. I've, it is just choices, consequences. The, the mere fact that they don't label them good or evil is probably one of the best things that they do. Nothing in Heavy Rain is good or evil if in the act of a personal injury that Ethan Mars can perform to, on himself, if he chooses to not do that and wimp out... I don't think that any, the game is not labelling that as the bad moral decision. It's simply uh, an act of self-preservation, uh, maybe slight cowardice, but it's not evil. And I think that's that's the better morality system to kind of implement. I mean, yeah. because you really do think quite a lot about the characters and the actions that you should perform with them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's also, I guess, I don't know whether it's improved or taken away from the fact that you can read a character's thoughts. I guess that's sort of 
takes it away from your control in some sense? Yeah, it's odd. I think um, Hirovain exists in a kind of weird place where sometimes you feel like you are Ethan Mars or the other three characters and you really want to, you really think about all the decisions in terms of what I would want to do and it becomes very personal. But then there are certain moments where maybe because the writing or the acting kind of missteps and you feel a bit too much like a puppeteer above them, choosing stuff that you'll find amusing. In fact, to be honest, the injuring yourself scene um, is a kind of an example where you feel slightly detached from him and you just do what is amusing. When you could choose whether or not to kiss Ethan Mars in one particular bit is another example. We don't really think about like morally, think about this would be amusing. And It is sort of true, I guess. That is, that is still the problem with morality systems in that it isn't you in the game. Yeah, which it you is can a character. Never... And even it you are quite tempted to do something amoral because it will you know it will be the funnier outcome. Which I guess in some ways is why I wanted to shoot the tiger, Army of Two the fortieth day, because I didn't think letting Gun Go would really be that funny. And I I guess I was proven wrong because he did go out and kill an innocent man. Which, yeah, which was quite funny. Which made me feel better than you like more moral than you so yeah it was it's very rare that shooting a tiger feels the more moral decision um i think that that's pretty much all i have to say i think on the so in summary in summary moral decisions they are a bit transparent a bit gamey definitely transparent but they are becoming more prominent which leads me to believe that maybe people will start thinking about them in a more clever way maybe i think it depends on your goal i think as i said no infamous very comic book very silly that kind of obvious good evil stuff works but i think what games need to do is look more at the moral decisions being about the actual choice less about the perceived gains or penalties it's true i think a good morality system will make the player themselves really think yeah. about what is the right decision and a good morality system will i guess be something that when you have stopped playing the game you still think about and talk about and i guess want to talk to other people who have played the game and see what decisions they made and, and really really get you discussing yeah what, what yeah. the right decision was uh i agree entirely Okay, uh, yeah, I think that that's a good place to leave. Uh, thanks for listening to our first ever podcast. We'll be back next time, where we'll be discussing creating believable characters. Woo. So if you've got any thoughts or opinions based on today's discussion, or you have any suggestions for what we'd like to discuss in the future, you can email us at gamingbydesign at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. You should really work on the script. I haven't got a good way to end it. Uh, okay. Thanks again for listening to Gaming by Design, and we'll be with you next time.